We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose, and with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE. So here's the thing. I like puzzles. I like doing puzzles, seeing them complete, all fitted together, laid out in a wonderful picture. Do you like doing puzzles? Maybe, but if you've ever done a puzzle, you understand what I'm talking about when I say it can be difficult. It can be hard getting all those pieces to fit together, especially when there are clear lines to create that beautiful picture that everybody can step back, look at, and appreciate. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today on Seeing to Lead with Charlie Peck. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here with a new episode for you. And this week, we talked to Charlie Peck, the co-author of Improving School Mental Health, the Thriving School Community Solution, You see, Charlie explains a lot of things, but she also talks about the difference between SEL and mental health. She talks about how SEL is great and it provides so many strategies that students can use. But after 20 years of inconsistent implementation, we still have students struggling with mental health. So back to that puzzle and the book that Charlie co-authored. The book offers nine skills that fit together like pieces of a puzzle. They do that so they're not too overwhelming to learn 
and implement. In other words, they help us with those blurry lines, put them together so that we get a wonderful picture that supports all people in an effective way, in a school system way, so that they can be much healthier. See, the beautiful part about this is these skills can be used in any order, and they've all got to be used to get the largest effect. So let's talk about how that happens. Let's talk about spending PD days on this based on what teachers need at the time so that it can be effectively implemented. I don't think I'm telling anybody here that listens anything they don't already know. When I agree with Charlie in saying, we need to approach the mental health issue from a place of prevention instead of reacting to what already occurs. Look, I've said enough. You are going to love this episode. And I encourage you to reach out to Charlie afterwards because she'll come help you implement these pieces of the puzzle at your school. Don't just stop there, though. If you find something valuable, share it out on social, tag Charlie, tag me, and let us know what you found most impactful to you. And then I'm also going to go a step further, ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that more people can hear helpful items like this. So helpful. In fact, I want to disclose to you before you listen to this, I'm doing a book study at my school with Charlie's book, School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution. Well, enough from me. Let's get to working on this mental health situation by listening to Charlie Peck on Seeing to Lead. Please don't add to their to-do list. They are doing a fantastic job and a lot of them are just trying to stay afloat. So if we just give them some tools to integrate into their everyday practice, we can provide them with immediate relief and they will thrive. They will. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Charlie Peck is the co-creator of Thriving School Community, a revolutionary program designed for schools to improve mental health. With over 20 years of education and mental health leadership experience, she has the unique lens of both a certified teacher and a licensed clinical therapist specializing in trauma. Charlie holds a master's in education and a master's in social work. Her role as a high school teacher coupled with her work with children and families in crisis gives her incredible insight into solving youth mental health problems stemming from our schools. She is the co-author of Improving School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution, and a global keynote speaker delivering powerful messages of hope to educators. Connect with Charlie on Twitter, at Charlie Peck. I'm so happy personally to have Charlie on the podcast today, not just because of her experience in the book she co-authored, but also for who she is as a person. Charlie, welcome to the Seeing to Lead podcast. Well, thank you, Chris. That is so nice of you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, truly. 
Well, I'm I'm really happy, and I I mean it about a nice person. We were able to record on your podcast just a little while ago, and we spoke a couple of times before that. But you're just so focused and plugged into making sure that our students and teachers are in a good place mental health wise, and I think that's such an important thing today. I appreciate it, and it is important, and that is why it is my life's work right now, for sure. (laughs) Thank you. So, life's work—you have this book that's out, improving school mental health. That you know, I, I personally, and I, I told you this earlier. I'm almost done with it. I'm not quite there, but I am absolutely loving this book, and I'm going to be offering it to my staff as a book study this year because it's just—I think it's so well done and structured and such an important thing for people to dig into that I, I want to hear a little bit about how you came to this book. So why this book, I guess, is the general question. Yeah, and I've had it in my mind for 10 years, over maybe even over 10 years at this point. I've been in education for over 20 years, K through 12, but I spent 18 years teaching high school. And my curriculum was awesome. I got to teach about personal and family relationships and development and social ills of society and how to fix those problems. And part of that allowed me to not only teach kids about their brains or teenagers about their brains, but to get their input on these problems we're having in society. And so naturally that just brought up conversations about how they're struggling. I mean, they're struggling. And so building those relationships with them, they They came to me a lot with those problems. And so I was leaning towards going into becoming an administrator and going down that route. I had done some leadership, but all my leadership had to do with improving mental health for students. And then I realized how important it was for staff. So fast forward, I got a master of social work degree because I wanted to understand the structural problems contributing to this, right? And so now... I ended up speaking because I ended up speaking a lot and people heard the ideas. They're like, yeah, yeah, we need more of that. And then I ran into the co-author, the other author, Dr. Cameron Caswell. She and I were in on each other's podcast and we had similar concerns and ideas. And we thought, listen, we need to share this with the world. People keep asking us for more information. Let's write a darn book about it. And so we did. And why the book, even more than that, Chris, is because people are struggling out there in education and we have a mental health crisis that has not been solved with a 30-year delivery of SEL. Now, SEL is great. There's tons of evidence to support it. But like you and I have already talked about, there's inconsistency with the delivery and our backgrounds and skill sets. It's not working. Regardless, it's just not working. So this is our solution. We call it the Thriving School Community Solution because as an educator and now a licensed clinical therapist who's worked with teens and families in crisis, I have a unique lens. And by the way, I'm a parent too. Come on, I have three boys. I get it. I know the stress and strain. And ultimately, we can't add more to the to-do list for our educators. We had to find a way to integrate skills that were so darn simple to do and implement that we could remember to do them, especially in the moment of overwhelm. And that is why the book is here in a very short sentence. Short exclamation. <laughs> no, that, that's a great explanation. You know, and I, I like the the being able to do a skill in the moment of overwhelm because that's when it matters. You know, whenever you talk about any type of response to any type of crisis situation, any type of stressful situation, we revert back to the simplest action that we remember the best. And if we can incorporate those skills that you're talking about, 
it's in those moments that they'll be handy. They will be, and they work. They work because I've used them. I've used them over time. Dr. Cam has used some of these over time too. And so together we created them and they're so powerful. I mean, there's one of our skills that I used when I was working in a hospital. You want to talk about kids in crisis. I mean, I was in the unit with them. These were really, really struggling. And one of our, our tools that we used, which we call the path of possibilities, which by the way, I used as a parent all the time with my kids is which direction do you want to go? I mean, what do you want and what don't you want? And what are you doing right now to get you towards what you want? Again, it's very simple, but they can visualize it. And then we can visualize it and then we can use it. And by the way, part of this is let's implement these skills right into our daily practice to not only give some relief to kids, but give relief relief to us. Yeah, and I know you get it. You get it. I love the idea that you said implement them into our daily practice. And your book... Your book pretty much follows that because you talk about, and this is one of the other things I really liked about it, is that you talk about the problem. We can all sit around and talk about problems. And, you know, some people even roll their eyes when we talk about certain problems, but then you come to why it matters. And so it gives that sense of urgency of this is, this is just not a problem that you, you can brush to the side or ignore or glaze over. It needs to be solved. And then you talk about the solution to it. So you don't just point out problems and say, you know, have a nice day. But uh, you offer solutions. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you came about to do that or moving forward from there? Yeah, no, for sure. So one of the problems we have in our education system, which is overwhelming, is rolling out new programs that take big overhauls or that add to our to-do list. And that's why we have a lot of educators sitting in PD, rolling their eyes like I used to do. And even if it's good PD, even if it is a good idea, we don't have time to leave that session and go and implement it. It's too big. It's too big, especially when we're in a a crisis situation or even just some overwhelm. And so what we designed are nine skills. So the big question I kept asking, remember I said I had this in my head for 10 years. The big question I kept asking is, why is there a mental health crisis in our education system? Why are we constantly struggling? This has been happening well before COVID. We all knew it was there and COVID, COVID just unsettled it. And so the nine skills we designed, we, we put the, the visual, as you would notice in the book, as a puzzle piece, because a lot of things we're doing in education right now are in piecemeal solutions. So they're not working or fitting well together. So each of the nine skills addresses a very common problem that that's why we structure the book that way. So what is one of the problems? Why are we struggling with mental health and education? Well, one of them is negative self-talk. Well, we've heard this before. Do we understand how how deep it is though? I mean, how many people just complain because their brain goes there? There's lots of reasons for that, but it's an innate response. And so we say, listen, we need to rewire the brain and we can do that. And it's going to help solve a lot of problems, especially, and by the way, this skill addresses you as the individual. It's not about anybody else. And if you're an educator, you can appreciate this is not about the student right here for this skill. This is about you. And you get to acknowledge, yeah, there's some negative self-talk because a lot of stuff's happened. But we have a tool that says, listen, get out of that story spiral and let's replace that all those shoulds you have with could. And it's it's what we do and we workshop that. We work them through that in a way that they can reflect any, like so differently than they, they've ever seen before. And we help them unravel their story spiral and get out of that guilt, pain, and shame that we get stuck in. So it's all about unraveling that and moving out of stuck. 
so that we don't have to suffer any longer in education. I, you know, something that really stood out to me when you said that is that you move from would to should, because we all know in buildings that there's that teacher or there's that group of teachers or you stay out of the staff lunchroom. Um, all those different things we talk about, but if we could, if we could find a way, especially as leaders to address that and to help staff change from their negative self-talk. I, when I hear you, I think of a a skill that I talk to people about that have negative self-talk to try and practice getting positive self-talk and it's with quarters. And I have them put a, they take a pocket full of quarters or, um, and the idea is every time they say something positive, they move one quarter from that pocket to the other pocket. And at the end, they can reward themselves with a cup of coffee or whatever. But nowadays, you probably need to do it with a pocket full of bills for coffee, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which could spiral you into negative self talk anyways. But I, <laughs> um, you know, the idea that you do that and the, the, the phrase you use is unraveling their negative self talk. Yeah. So once you get somebody to do that, because that's quite an eye-opening experience and a difficult one. Where mm-hmm. do you go from there? Because I, I did like the picture of the puzzle that you had in the book, the graphic of the puzzle. Well, there's a couple of things there. And, and I think you'll appreciate me saying this, but it's actually moving from should to could because should gets us stuck in that, the depth of guilt and, in, in that shame. And, and again, more than that, it's stuck. We get stuck somewhere. And positive, uh, talks of positivity isn't great either. So we do address that too. But the other piece to that is empowerment. So when we, when we move out of that, that means we get empowered. And another problem we have in education where we feel so stuck and where we're struggling so much is because we don't feel empowered. We feel powerless. And so another skill, so we addresses that. And, and when you ask me about the skills, it's about, well, what's the next pressing need? What does your staff need? So I ju- I'm working with a school all year this, this year, for example, and I just did a PD session with them and I'm going to be meeting with them at their staff meeting. I'm going to say, do you need to dive into that skill more or do we need to address a different skill or a different problem? And so they're going to guide me on that. And then we'll, we'll look at that puzzle piece or the need. And if a lot of them tell me, well, gosh, I'm feeling so powerless around this one particular person or around my students, which is very common or in a couple of those students, then we'll address that. And so we'll give them, we want them to build proficiency in that tool. So where they know what their limit is, we teach them, know your own limits. How do you know that? Well, let's workshop that. Let's notice how that's showing up in your body. And you could tell being a teacher versus being a therapist, we're allowed to bring some of those darn skills that we use in therapy into the classroom. I mean, there's ways to sneak that in. And that's where I come in is sneaking those things into our day to give us relief and our students' relief. So that's just another tool to use it, um, just addressing the next most uh, pressing need, I guess is the best way to say it. You know what I love about that? And, you know, this this seems like a theme that runs through with you is that empowerment piece, but staff voice. Instead of doing professional development to somebody, let find out what they need so that they can actually benefit from it. And something just happened to me recently where... I was talking to a teacher and this teacher happens to be approaching retirement. And when I said, I made a joke about them, you know, working another 15 years and they laughed and they said, oh, I've got five or six left, um, depending on how the students are and how I interact with the students and how much the students change. Just because there's that ever present thought of 
what you were just talking about, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a student, but quite often it's the students that if there wasn't that negative self-talk or if they had a way to do some type of skill or strategy on a consistent basis that would help them with that, that wouldn't be an issue. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's why I always start actually with self-reflection, which is about feeling powerless. But my second skill that I always do to start off, unless I see something else that is needed in that particular group, um, is social plasticity. That's the skill that has to, that has to protect the other person, which if you're a leader, that's your staff. And if you're a teacher or staff member, that's the kid. And sometimes we need to protect each other. That's a whole different conversation. When we're in a position of power, um, we've got to understand that we're making unfair judgments, which is actually causing a lot of that conflict that teachers have with students. And so there's a great part of the movie, Lean on Me. I don't know if you've seen it, but Morgan Freeman plays Joe Clark. And there's a, a set, there's a part of a movie where he's yelling at the staff and trying to make a change. And he first comes in and he says, he says, if you, Treat them like animals. They're going to behave like animals. And yes, we have seen some really terrible behaviors. And that is what teachers are struggling with the most, not being heard, which means they feel invalidated or invalued, valued, I should say, um, but also the student's behaviors. And when I get them to step outside of themselves, which we need to learn to do and see this kid as a human being, that is where the change really occurs. And then we're allowed uh, we're allowing ourselves to save that space for them in a secure environment. So that's how we create a connected environment. That's why that whole session is called how to create a safe, secure environment for kids to learn in. So there's lots there. How to assert authority without being mean because we also don't, like we want to walk away from conflict or even prior to conflict. We don't even want to get to that. We're preventative here, but we want to walk away with dignity. And so that's something we carry with us when we carry that with us uh, as parents and also educators, because we care so much about kids. So yeah, you can tell I thought a lot about this because I I also lived it, Chris. I was there just like you. You were there too. Yeah, clearly you're very passionate about the whole the whole topic, which is which is why there's so much to say. I mean, you've you've got so much going on here. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. SeeingToLead.com. You said something that I, I definitely don't want to miss because sometimes people get stuck in the idea of a procedure or a routine. So you can jump around with these different strategies? Yes. In fact, when we first started them, we thought it should be procedural. It should be in a certain order. And that's actually not the case. I mean, when we, and you, we all know this as educators, you, you plan something and there's like, Oh, wait, it doesn't have to be that way. 
And so we've been doing this for a while now. And when we roll it out, it's we always go back to the two things because research actually led us to social class about creating that safe space because teachers keep telling us that they're struggling the most with student behavior. So that addresses that. And that self-reflection piece addresses like how I feel and how I protect me in that situation. We also used to start off with the first skill that's on there at the top left. It's called self-compassion. But what we've decided there is that goes too deep. In fact, we adults are carrying a lot with us into the classroom and into the building. And so we have to be careful there. And with my trauma background, I had to be cautious with that. So we've decided to do that one a little differently. And, and we're going to handle that as a virtual session. So people can do that in the space of their own home or their own uh, sanctity. But yeah, so that's kind of how it works. It, you can jump around though, based on the need for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant though, because it shows it shows a thoughtfulness on your end as far as when they should be touched upon. And not just that, but how they should be touched upon that I think Oftentimes as school leaders with teachers and teachers with students that we fall short about that. We're very good, I think, for the most part at saying, okay, we need to touch on this now based on what we're seeing, but we don't always get the where pace that I, that you just saying that is really important. Yeah. And here's what needs to happen too, is a lot of times when I'm working with educators, even when they're in leadership, I have a lot of relatable stories just because I was there. And when we have outside people come in and they don't have that lens of being in the classroom or in the building with kids, it turns them off of it. And, and so that's part of bridging that gap. But I'll tell you what's important about these skills is they also work together. And so I'll give you an example. I had, and I use this a lot in my keynotes and in my sessions because it's powerful. It's about communication. Ultimately, it's about a kid who was giving me a lot of attendance issues and she would get up out of my class. One day she did this and left my classroom, didn't tell anyone, didn't sign out, nothing. Didn't get my permission, certainly. And I was like personally offended at this. Then she showed up at the end of class, tried to talk to her and she just left, blew me off. I got called to the principal's office. The principal said to me, just let her do that. And I was so mad. What are you talking about? Let her do so fast forward here, there was a lot of resentment that I build up, built up as the teacher because she wasn't showing up to class often. She wasn't always handed her work and it was just a pain. And I didn't, I didn't like it. However, the semester ended and I didn't like that feeling that I had with her. It didn't feel right. I mean, I don't have these relationships like that with kids. So I found the school counselor at the end of that semester, the start of the next semester. I said, listen, just tell me your schedule so I can go find her. I want to make amends with this kid. I, I just don't like how this is left. And the school counselor said, well, Madison passed away and Madison had been sitting in our classroom with a terminal illness the whole darn time and nobody told me. Now, I understand that there are confidentiality issues around that, but boy, had I known, then I would have set up that space a lot differently for her. And so what that made me realize, Chris, is we never know what kids are coming into our building with, or if you're in leadership, you never know what that staff member is bringing in to that building. And so we have to create that safe environment for everyone and give them a positive experience. And if I had these skills back then, I would have been able to use two or three of those skills in those moments without ever knowing she had a terminal illness. So that that's part of this passion too, is those stories that I actually have. Thank you for sharing that. Because I, I remember reading that in your book, that story. Um, 
And that's a very powerful story. But thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that as you as the teacher. Because I in the book, I don't believe it lists you as the teacher. It just says a teacher, I think. So it does. It does. So thank you. Thank you for that. That's that's something else. And you know, if I can, and I think that's why this is important, just jumping off from that story. We talked about the when, we talked about the where. Let's talk about the how. So I'm a leader. Like I said, I love your book. I'm sure any other leader that reads it is going to love your book. Teachers are, counselors are. How do we get this started? Like I, I, I've got, I've got students and staff coming back to the building soon. Um, just when we're recording, by the time this airs, we're probably talking about a month and a half in or so. How do I do this as a leader or a teacher? Yeah, there's a couple of options. And it, it's always about the logistics because a lot of people want it and they're like, how am I going to do it? So I would always say, let's try it the next PD day. Get me in for a half day. Let me teach one or two of these scales to your staff. I'll always start with those two unless your data, which we all do have the data, shows me otherwise. And let your staff respond to what we do. Let your staff tell us that they're getting something out of it. Some some people who I have a relationship with already, they bring me in for the whole school year. And if it's local, I'll show up to their staff meetings here and there. Um, we also do virtual sessions, but the best way to start is absolutely the next PD day you have, try us out. In-person is always the best. That's how the relationship builds. Um, but also, I mean, there's a cost to that, so we could do virtual. The other thing is on October 1st of 2023, we're actually rolling out a program for those people who are like you reading the book or so school counselors or school social workers or teacher leaders who really want to absorb this better. We have what's called the ambassador program that is all virtual, self-paced courses, like many, it can be um, overwhelming. I'm not going to add your overwhelm. And you can enroll in that and go through all nine skills. And I will show up two times a month, virtually online to dive deeper into a skill and to answer any questions. Because here's what happens, Chris. A lot of people have these personal experiences. They don't know what to do in those scenarios. So I'm totally there for support and and guiding them through it. And I might bring different strategies in. And that is October 1st. You can get on the waiting list for that. So if you just go to my website, thrivingeducator.com, there's a button for that, the ambassador program. And I've actually made it a certificate program because... A lot of people want to go into leadership and they want a mental health background. So this helps with that. It's a certificate of completion. And then you have the resources to go to your own schools or your own meetings and roll some of this stuff out. It's not train the trainer. It's not that overwhelming. It's pieces of it that will still be helpful. So that's another way. That's fantastic. And um, I'll definitely hook that up in the show notes so that people can hit that. So not only do they hear it, then it's easy for them just to click it when they when they get there. So, you know, you talk about you talk about your ambassador program. You talk about staff meetings, in person better. Um, you've you've got these essential skills out that you know work, and you've got this deep desire or love to make sure that staff members have the tools that they need, and students are thriving in schools. What's your vision for the future? Where does all this lead? Well, there's only one of me and my account, my co-author. She actually works with parents because parents can't get out of this either. They need to be equipped with these skills as well. And it's uh, called the spillover effect. If you know kids are in both environments and they need it. So she's working on that and I'm working on this end. The future is this. We need to roll this out because it is a great solution. It actually will not only provide relief, but then we work from a place of prevention. I mean, imagine... Imagine your building or imagine your district 
having a place of prevention, a plan for that, that is not about an overhaul. It actually integrates into everything you're already doing. And so one of the things I've been doing is thinking like, why are we not doing this in college programs? So I've been speaking to local colleges and universities and teacher programs because they actually need the skills to practice before they get their own classroom. So that's one thing. And the other one is just try this out. Try this out. Get this in your building. Let your staff respond. Let them respond and ask for for more that they need. And if it's helpful to them, roll it out. So eventually what I'll be doing is train the trainer models. I want I know there's already leaders in positioned in schools already. So I want to equip them with that ambassador program so we can get these skills out in the masses because I can't do it, of course, all myself. But I I work with those leaders as well. So yeah, there's lots to do. There's so much to do. (laughs) So I'm excited. There's always more to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what's your, if you were to give somebody a final takeaway on mental health in schools and how they can start to address it, what would that be? I would say this, and this is what I say in my keynote every time, the solution to the youth mental health crisis has to start with us. It will get better when we're better, when we feel better, and we will be energized. So my final message there is, there is absolutely hope. There's hope we can move out of this. That's a fantastic message. Now, as we're getting near the end of this, I want to be respectful of your time. I have two questions I ask every person that comes on the podcast. The first one is if you were an educator, and I know that you were an educator for a while and now you've moved on to this, but you're still an educator. If you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? I would be a strong advocate for policy change in Washington, in front of all the change makers. I would have a strong voice there. That's who exactly I would be. Now, I'd love to say that that comes as a surprise, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one maybe day. Maybe one day. Yeah. Can, you can just add that to your list of to-dos as you're talking about all of this getting spread out. Sure. I'd love to actually, yeah. Well, you, hey, you, you can, uh, I'm sure that's something you could accomplish. So I, if, if that's the direction you head, I'm sure you'll do a lot of good there as well. Thank you. I appreciate it, truly. So... The final question is, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? Please don't add to their to-do list. They are doing a fantastic job, and a lot of them are just trying to stay afloat. So if we just give them some tools to integrate into their everyday practice, we can provide them with immediate relief, and they will thrive. They will. I'm so glad that you said that because I'm going to take the that opportunity to plug your book one more time because I have to. That's how much I like it. You're sweet. Tools to integrate into everyday practice. We know that's what works the best. We know that whenever we take something and put it into our everyday practice on a consistent basis, we see results. It can't be a one-off. So that's one of the one of the real valuable pieces of your book. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, if if anybody wants to get in touch with you, we've gotten to the end here. I appreciate all you've said. I can't imagine somebody not wanting to get in touch with you, but what's the easiest way for someone to do that? Because I'm going to I'm going to put all your other things in the show notes so that they can reach out wherever they want on social media, they can check out that ambassador program, they can hit your website. But what's real quick, I want to talk to Charlie Peck. How do I get that done? Yeah, and you could just email me, charlie at thrivingeducator.org. Just reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, Charlie, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. And your message 
And what you're providing solutions for is so important to today's students and schools and teachers. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Truly, thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating or review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.